Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Sean Corrale with an early third period goal for Boston. The Bruins now leading the Leafs 3-1 with 17 minutes left in Game 7. The Leafs come right back with a chance. And it is Tuka Rask with a great save in front. So 3-1, Boston leading Toronto. 16-40 left in the third period. In about an hour, Game 7 will face off between Vegas and San Jose. Just underway at Rogers Place, a minute 30 into the first period. No score between the Oil Kings and the PA Raiders. That series is tied 1-1. It's a best of seven. Game 4 tomorrow at 7 at Rogers Place. The Oilers farm team, the Bakersfield Condors, one hour away from Game 3 in their best of five against Colorado. It's tied 1-1. Bakersfield with home ice advantage. Colorado got the first two games at home, so games 3 and 4, and if necessary, Game 5 will all be in Bakersfield. The Raptors looking good to move on to the second round. They lead game five against Orlando 107-75 and the Giants lead the Blue Jays 5-2. That one is in the bottom of the sixth. The St. Albert Slash losing earlier today at the SO Cup. That's the female midget AAA championship in Sudbury. They're 1-1-1 so far in the round robin. A couple more round robin games to go. They still have a good shot to qualify for the semifinals on Friday. The top four out of the six in the round robin make the semis. The St. Albert Slash, the two-time defending national champions. Great program going there. Oh, here's a fun one as well. Uh, Scott Johnson, our 630 Chad City Hall Bureau Chief, tweeting out earlier today, and we'll get more details like this, I think in the in the days to come, there will be an Olympic qualifying beach volleyball tournament in Edmonton from July 17th to 21st at the old racetrack. It'll be going on during K days. That is incredible. And my beach volleyball partner Pat Steinberg now on the line. Hey Pat, are you uh, are you Goose or are you Maverick? Oh jeez, I yeah I, I I I'm Val Kilmer. Which one was he? Val Kilmer was the one that no, nobody saw him take his shirt off, and Slider was the jacked one. So that, uh, that's the extent of my beach volleyball knowledge, the uh, volleyball scene in Tom Cruise. See, I, I don't because in my mind, Top Gun is one of the most overrated movies of all nope, time. Nope. I, I, hey, Reed, I got to go. Uh, somebody else is calling. Have a good day. Yeah. What? Who's calling you? Dave Hodge? What, what Jay and Dan are going to have you on tonight? Come on. Well, people who appreciate Top Gun will have me on. I just, I feel like there are better shows that could be on tonight after well, this. Well, I, I didn't bring you on to offend you. That's just how I feel. Top Gun's <laughs> overrated. But anyway, that's a, that's Hi, a debate for another day. 
Well, don't get upset about it. I I'm mean, okay. How, I'm, how are you, buddy? I'm, <laughs> no, no, you're hosting. I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so, anyway, the, uh, the Flames lost. <laughs> I had you on before this. Do you have a cold or something, or were you just working out? No, I'm just I'm just chuckling because that was a that You're was a funny a time. That's completely good. derailed your show, and I I feel bad. Well, now. not well. You should have heard the last hour when I was trying to figure out the difference between a chancellor and a commissioner. Trust me, we're back on oh. the rails from that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I had you on before the series, and you seemed respectfully and appropriately concerned. And I still thought the Flames were going to win, and I still thought the Flames were going to win the Western Conference. My Tampa Bay-Calgary-Stanley Cup final will not happen. The Tampa Bay is a whole other story. Calgary loses in five, uh, you know, a couple overtime games, the last game quite convincingly. Oh, I'll ask you to sum it up if you can. What what happened? Well, I mean, more than anything else, they just got beat. They were, they were significantly worse than Colorado for the vast majority of the series. And when you are the second best team on the ice for the majority of a series, it doesn't matter how many games you want in the regular season, you're you're gonna get rolled in the playoffs. Here's here's what I think happened. Flames started the series with a big win, four nothing on home ice, and here's the second best regular season in franchise history. They're feeling good about themselves. So a, a nice start, four nothing win, and Mike Smith played out of his mind he dialed back the clock first game shutout you're thinking all right this is uh this is a nice way to start feeling confident about things and then bam game two colorado who and i i I will give the avalanche a ton of credit because i went into that locker room between game one and two did my pregame interview talked to a few guys in the room and the mood in there did not seem like they had lost game number one they seemed like the same group that was coming into the Saddle Dome on a great run prior to Game 1. Let's not forget, the Avalanche went 8-1-2 and two down the stretch just to make the playoffs. So they felt the exact same way, and they felt, you know what? We gave their top players a little bit too much respect, and we let Mike Smith's puck handling be a little bit too much of a factor. So they adjusted, and right from the minute go on game number two they were in calgary's face and they were coming at him coming at him coming at him it took until the second period for them to finally score but once matt nieto scored that shorthanded goal to make it one nothing it felt like a weight was lifted off of colorado's shoulders they finally beat smith and they kept on coming at the flames and credit to smith he gave the flames a chance to steal game number two on home ice but calgary could not close out in the final three minutes and jt comfer who scored maybe two of the biggest goals in the series ties the game and you can tell by the reaction when Colorado tied the game with less than three to go how much that goal meant Nathan McKinnon would win it early on in overtime and the Avalanche would tie the series and from that point on I just think the belief grew and grew and grew for Colorado they knew that their speed and their top players could give Calgary trouble and they kept on with that game plan they rolled them in game three in Denver they were significantly better in game four and ended up coming from behind to win in overtime once again and the only area the Flames had an edge in this series was in net. It's not even like it was a sizable edge. You go take a look at the numbers, and Philip Grubauer's numbers between the pipes for Colorado were better than Mike Smith's. It's just that Grubauer was never asked to steal a series. So Calgary just got beat. They they could not handle Colorado's top players. 
Calgary's top players let him down. And I'm not just talking about Gaudreau and Monaghan. I'm talking about Calgary's core group of players that have been this team's exciting core for the last three or four years. They let him down in a big way. And the Flames are out in five games, and they deserve to be out in five games. Well, this is very strange to me. And Kelly Rudy's on my show once a week, and while the series was going on, he made a reference to just seeing some sag in the Flames. And I just found that really weird because they were such a good third-period team this year when, uh, what was it, two or three years ago, Pat, when they had all those third-period comebacks? Yeah, four years ago. Yeah, four years ago, longer than I thought. But but they got into the playoffs because, what, they won something like 11 games when trailing after two. And and that's what just surprised me is that, you know, they, they weren't a perfect team, but most of the season long they would always rebound. You know, they'd, they'd take a few punches. Maybe they'd look like they're down and out, and they'd get up off the mat. And the, just that get up off the mat what didn't seem to be there in that series. That's what really surprised me. Well, yeah, this was the best third-period team by virtually every metric in the NHL. Goals for, goals against, come from behind. Like, in so many different metrics, the Flames were the best third-period team in the NHL during the regular season. Here's what I think happened, Reed. I think more than anything else, when things change in the playoffs, and we all know the game changes in the postseason, and when the game changes, you need your most important players to be okay with it and to still excel. And that's that's where the Flames fell short. So in third periods, when Nathan McKinnon and Gabriel Landeskog, who is a horse, and, and Nico Ranton, who started the series a little out of his element because he was injured and hadn't played in a few weeks as he got into it. So as the third period went on and Colorado's top players, and you throw in... Uh, you throw in Tyson Berry and JT Comfer and Eric Johnson. Those guys, those guys kept on playing the same type of hockey. And I felt like Calgary's top players, Giordano, Gaudreau, Monaghan, Kachuk, Backlund, I felt like Calgary's top players, when the third period hit and things got really difficult, they wilted. And when you're getting that from your top players, and all of a sudden the guys who drive the bus and drove the bus for 50 regular season wins aren't able to be the same impact makers they are in important stretches of games. You're going to have sags and you're going to have letdowns. And that's why that's why this is such a concerning playoff exit for the Flames. Because it's not like they got goalied. It's not like they ran into one hot player. It's not like they got unlucky. The, the Flames got beat. They took it in the teeth and they took it in the teeth because Colorado's best players were better than theirs. The top three scorers in the regular season for Colorado McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen combined for 21 points in five games. The top three scorers for Calgary, Lindholm, Gaudreau, and Monaghan combined for five. You just, you're just you not going to win a playoff series when your top guys are that far off the mark. So I think that's what happened in third period. I think that's why Calgary couldn't hold leads, and I think that's why in a couple of games it just got straight up beat in game five and game three. It wasn't even close. So that's, that's to me, the story of the series. And because a few of these guys have been around and have been to multiple playoff series and have had difficulty keeping their same impact level in the playoffs as opposed to the regular season. That's that's a concerning trend for the Flames as they hope their Stanley Cup window is just opening. 3-1 Boston leading Toronto, 11-21 left in the third period of that seventh game. No score almost halfway through the first period between the Oil Kings and the Raiders in game three of their series. That's at Rogers Place tonight. Okay, Pat, so what are some off-season priorities here for the Flames? I know they have a couple of prominent players who are uh, restricted free agents. 
um, you know, give me a sense of that that uh, the free agency uh, mm. concerns for the Flames and, and salary cap and that type of stuff. Well, number one, the, the number one priority is they've got to sign Matthew Kachuk, and and Kachuk, I think, uh, did no. Um, did no favors for his cap hit with his disappearing act in the final three games or final four games of that playoff series. So I don't think that helped his number. But even still, I think we're talking about the largest average annual value the Flames have ever handed out. As much as they'd like to keep this internal cap they have going with Giordano and Gaudreau at 6.75, unless they're going to bridge Kachuk, which I just don't see making a ton of sense, unless they're going to sign him to a three-year deal, I don't think they're keeping him under 6.75. So uh, they got to sign Kachuk. That sounds, it feels like it's going to be like a seven or an eight-year deal uh, in around seven, seven and a half million dollars per year. That's probably what it, so that's, that's the number one priority. They got to sign Kachuk. But there's a couple of other interesting things to keep your eye on. So first of all, they've got to figure out what they're doing in net. Mike Smith was great in five games of the postseason. He's 37 years old. He turned 38 in March next year. Is Mike Smith part of the plan going forward? I don't know. And it depends what else is out there on the goaltending market via free agency and, more importantly, via trade. So they got to figure out their goaltending. Smith's a UFA. David Riddick, who we found out was hurt for virtually the entire second half of the season, and that, that explains a lot. David Riddick's numbers went from outstanding to very average from one half to the next half. And you take a look at it and you understand that he was playing through an injury that, that – put him in quite a lot of pain so it might explain at least partially why his numbers dropped so significantly he's a restricted free agent so they got to figure out what they're doing in net and the final thing is i don't think it's a priority but they have themselves a very interesting um conversation to have when it comes to their blue line tj brody is a player that has one year left on his contract struggled mightily at times throughout the season had his struggles during the postseason but is still a guy with a very nice contract that I think other teams would be interested in. And with the emergence of a couple of rookies this year in Rasmus Anderson and Yusuf Valamaki, I think they've made some of the more veteran defensemen expendable on this team. So I believe the Flames have got an opportunity to make a couple of subtractions on their back end. There's subtractions that can be replaced by those rookies or next year there'll be sophomores that I just mentioned. And it's going to save them a significant amount of cap space even if they were to just send out Brody. That saves them... $4.65 $4.65 million on their salary cap just like that. So that's another interesting thing to watch. I do think there are going to be conversations about if there are changes to this team's core. Now, Sean Monaghan completely disappeared in the postseason, and that's something that has happened before. Uh, he, he was playing through a thumb injury, but that can't explain all of his disappearing act in the second half of the season. And, and I just think the biggest question the Flames have got to internally ask themselves with their core is which of these guys can we win with? Can we win with these guys driving the bus? Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not you're not saying they would dangle Sean Monahan. I don't think it's out of the question. How's that? I just think that there's been enough of uh, there's been enough playoff disappointment, and I just wonder if he is a true number one center in this league. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that this is a priority for him, but it's a conversation that we've had around our station over the last little bit. Is Elias Lindholm a guy that you can move to center, and is Sean Monaghan a guy that you could think about dealing? And I know that a lot of people are unhappy with the postseason that he just had. And I, the only thing that I'll say is whether it's Monaghan or anybody else, 
you've got to have a conversation about your core group and say, which one of these guys do we feel like we can win with? And what I mean by that is, which one of these or, or which one of these guys do you feel can't get it done come the postseason? Do they have the personality? Do they have the makeup to be able to still be the same effective player when the refereeing changes and when things get a whole lot more difficult and a whole lot tighter? That's the question they got to ask themselves. Well, well, that's that's uh, that is really interesting. Monahan's Monahan's a pretty good player, so I think if he was out there, there'd be a, a lot of teams asking, "Okay, how can we make this work?" Pat, I appreciate your time. Uh, you know, from a uh, from a professional standpoint, I, I wish you were still uh, doing some more games, but I know everybody in Edmonton is <laughs> glad you're not doing any more games. Most most of them, anyway. <laughs> you mean there were no there were no Oilers fans that decided to go with an Oilers jersey and then split it with a Flames jersey? There might have been a few. Well, I do have a, a texter who calls himself Murr the Flames guy. He he wrote in tonight. Oh, he he says no one says anything about the fact that the Flames players stopped producing after the All Star break. It wasn't he's just right. in the playoffs. So he's right. Go. So there you go, Murr. Pat's all over that too. All right, we'll have you on again, buddy. I really appreciate it. See you on the volleyball court. <laughs> that is my beach volleyball partner, Pat Steinberg, checking in from Calgary. The Flames done in five against the Avalanche. All right, we'll get to Brian on the open line in a couple of minutes. Eight minutes left. 3-1 Boston leads Toronto. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chen. Oil Kings and Prince Albert scoreless five minutes left in the first period. We have Brian on line one. Brian, thanks for holding there. How are you doing? Good, Joe. Good. Go ahead, man. So uh, I think more than any other season in the past, I think this playoff season the teams have finally learned what uh, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh the last three years have figured out it's not how you start it's how you finish the you take a look at uh you know the teams that are winning right now are the ones that had the hottest second half well except for tampa bay (laughs) well yeah but tampa bay i put them in the same category as the golden state warriors they had an awesome year and they burned themselves out yeah, well, the year Golden State set the wins record, that's right. They did not win the championship. They, they've won a whole bunch of other ones. Yeah, I mean, Colorado was, I mean, co- let's face it, Colorado was not really any better than the Oilers most of the year. But they won, what, 8-1-2. Uh, Columbus, Columbus, to me, looked downright disinterested when they played the Oilers in March. But they won, I think it was eight of their last ten to get in so yeah I, I mean there there is there is something to that and, and I think for Tampa Bay Brian what were they what were they playing for right how intense were the games the last two months of the season they knew where they were going to finish oh absolutely uh, and you know they I mean they're they're the, the end of the the end of the season games were really mean nothing games really in essence they had first place wrapped up pretty much almost well maybe slightly around the all-star break. And, uh, yeah, I, but I, I truly think they, they just burnt themselves out. But like I said, uh, you know, you go back to Washington last year, Pittsburgh, the, the two years previous, they tore it up in the second half. Now, granted, yeah, like Colorado and, and Columbus, you, you can't really say they tore it up in the second half, but they ended strong. 
Yeah, and Dallas I got better as the year went on. Um, St. Louis, obviously, is, is a great example as well. And even even when Pittsburgh won the Cup, uh, remember they beat Nashville in the final, and Nashville was a much better team in the in the second half. So yeah, and there's I, something to what you're saying for sure. And I could be wrong, but I think this playoff season, if Toronto loses, which it's looking like they're going to, and possibly if Washington ends up losing to Carolina, uh, I think if if I'm correct, that's the top eight. Uh, teams out of the play- out of the playoffs first round. Uh, Islanders made it. Were they, were they in the top eight? Yeah, and so is Boston. Okay. Yeah, but oh, that's a good point. Thanks, Brian. Have a good one. All right, we're back with a CFL CBA update with Ryan King. Two forty left in Boston. Bruins lead at three one. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Chari nudges it to Corrali. He'll carry it himself over the line high slot to the far circle. Fires! He scores! This guy just has a nose for the big games. Sean Corrali raced in. Bruins three, Maple Leafs one. Charlie Coyle adds an empty netter, and it's over in Boston. The Bruins win game 7-4-1 over Toronto. That called by Judd Surratt from 98.5, the sports hub out of Boston. So the Bruins move on. Another game 7 coming up in half an hour between San Jose and Vegas, and another game 7 tomorrow between Carolina and Washington. At Rogers Place, no scoring in the first period. Oil Kings and Raiders in game 3 of their best of 7, which is tied 1-1. The Raptors have eliminated Orlando four games to one. Raptors winning tonight, pulling away. Well, they were in control really throughout the night. 115-96 the final, and the Blue Jays trail San Francisco 6-2. That game is in the top of the eighth. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Ched, we are counting down to Eskimos training camp and preseason games and the start of the season, but some work to be done away from the field before that. And to talk about that, we have Eskimos Long Sapper, who's uh, also a, a representative for the Players Association, Ryan King. Ryan, you're on with Reed. Great to talk to you again. How are you doing? Hey, Reed. Uh, doing good, man. Thanks for having us on the show. And, uh, weather's shining bright. And, yeah, looking forward to hopefully getting on the football field here soon. Well, yeah, and I know you use the word hopefully because I, I, I guess, I, I, you know, you're well and it's been out there that I, I guess it's not totally a sure thing. How would you describe the status of the negotiations right now between the Players Association and the league? Well, Reed, I think, first of all, it's important to know that, you know, we've been all collectively working hard to bargain in uh, a new CBA before training camp starts. Uh, we've been doing it in good faith. We've been respectful uh, to everyone in the process involved. And a couple weeks ago when the CFL uh, pulled themselves from the table. It was uh, it was an unfortunate uh, move on their behalf, and uh, the tactics basically from that regards have been you know very disrespectful towards both the process and the players. And I think you really need to kind of look at it from a perspective of uh, you know the membership. We want to get a deal done. There's no question about it. We want to get playing football. We're a bunch of professional athletes uh, that 
live, breathe football. And uh, but I think that that all comes in into, into play when you look at how united we are as a membership, how educated we are as a membership, how much we've grown since the last CBA, all the work that's been done behind the scenes um, over the past uh, couple of years leading up to this have been phenomenal from the CFLPA side and just our members kind of educating themselves in general. So I know we're in a, a good position right now. We're, we're strong, we're united, and uh, you know we remain kind of unwavering that we want a fair deal. We want a deal that's going to be respectful. We want to be partners. Uh, reviewed viewed as partners in the CFL and, and try to help grow this game collectively. And uh, it's uh, it's time to kind of come out of the dark and, and you know, stand up for ourselves. And, and that's what we're uh, clearly uh, collectively doing. Ryan, it, it sounds to me, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'll let you react to this. It, it sounds like the players were quite surprised and maybe even offended when the league said about a week and a half ago, w- when the league said, ah, you know what, we can, we can put this off for another couple of weeks. Was that sort of how you guys felt? Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of things tied into that, and, and I'll kind of put this in a little two-tier. Um, you know, refusing to negotiate a new CBA that is is done within a month um, to us is concerning as players to understand what other priorities would the CFL have in regards to um, what they what they think, and you know, how are we not at the front of the the priority list when we're about to check into training camp in one month and there's no CBA done. Um, and we're basically have already announced and we're not showing up to training camp without a, a new CBA in place. And, and those are in regards to the second part of that is, is, you know, withholding all of our off season money. And this is all contractually agreed upon pay. Um, many players budget and plan for, for, for this money for, for their own kind of, you know, and personal and family needs. And, this was all put on um, in regards to they would release the money once we signed the CBA. So not only have they put clauses in this year out of nowhere um, to withhold all of our offseason money until we get a CBA signed, they're now stepping off the bargaining table and refusing to bargain. So you could only imagine how collectively the, the membership feels um, in regards to both of these moves. So, Ryan, I understand Monday, though, you're going to be able to sit down and talk again. Do you think those can proceed, you know, with trust and cordially after how you guys feel about this delay? Well, I, Reed, I hope the CFL is going to be coming back after this long-awaited two weeks off um, with an intent to find a solution. Um, you know, a lot of people got to understand that the moves that we're making collectively right now as a PA are... Um, moves that we were highly uh, thought through and, and, you know, scenarios broken down and, and, you know, really you pin a, you know, a hungry dog in the corner and he's going to bite. And that's just basically the command and conquer kind of model that the CFL has been using for multiple CBAs in a row. And, um, you know, it's just unfortunate to that regards because we've, we've taken losses and instead of, complaining about him this year we've you know over the past couple of years we've had such a good group of player reps that have been you know very much willing to stand up for for what they feel is right and, and fair um and you know at the end of the day uh we're we're more united than we've ever been and we're the strongest we've ever been as a cflpa um we can collectively communicate across the country immediately um you know we've already polled our membership to ask if they'd be willing to show up to training camp without a CBA and there was a clear mandated 
96% from our entire membership to move forward in, in that regard. And this vote was more of a poll in regards to satisfy provincial legislation. And, you know, you can see that there's various labor codes across the country that we right. have to oblige by, right? So these are kind of scenarios where last CBA we got caught in these and when we got close to striking, if we needed to, we lost everything because we just we weren't prepared for pulling that trigger. And that's something that we've clearly um, we've put together as a strategy and a tactic if we if we have to do this. Well, Ryan, I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of fans don't like hearing that, right? I mean, you regardless of how they feel about the negotiations or who they might be supporting, they don't like hearing that there could be some sort of a labor stop stoppage if, if it's in the form of the players uh, perhaps missing training camp, which I guess we'd have to call a strike if it, if, if it came to that. But, um, it, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting that, that you guys are prepared to do that, which could result in, uh, I guess, missing a, maybe even missing a preseason game if it would drag it on that long. Well, yeah, and if you look at it, like, you know, again, we've had all of our offseason agreed-upon money frozen, uh, we've sat at the table, bargained with good faith, respectfully. They got off the table, refused to negotiate, you know, want us to show up to training camp under the old CBA, the old health and safety rules, you know, play for free, basically. And we're, we're, we're as a membership, from the last poll we took, it shows a very clear united decision that 96% of a membership is refusing to do that. So... In that regards, it's just, to me, that's pretty standard when it comes to CBA negotiations, going through the last one and studying multiple ones before um, with the PA and all the guys and the reps. These are all just normal tactics that the CFL has been using for quite some time now. And uh, like I said, we've learned from all these in the past. We're prepared more than we ever been. And I can tell you right now that our entire membership are a bunch of um, professional football players and all we want to do is play football so you know to all the fans out there I can tell you and assure you that you know I, I personally do not believe we're being unreasonable in any regards um, you know main focus being player health and safety you know these are pretty basic things that I think that you know the fans need to understand we're not trying to get a whole bunch of money out of this we're not trying to you know we're trying to work with the CFL we're trying to be partners with the CFL we've said that word hundreds of times in negotiations so far we want to partner we want to be involved with the growth of the cfl we want to be involved with you know giving back to the game you know we're all here we give back to our communities we're the ones out you know with grassroots you know coaching the kids and doing appearances and stuff like we care about our our communities we care about football and all we want to do is play football but again if you're going to back if you're going to back us in a corner which it's repeatedly happened over and over we're officially set up and we're not going to take that anymore. And all we want is just to sit at the table, negotiate a deal before the season starts so we can all play football. And, uh, again, it's important people understand that we have been basically forced to go into this position, and it could be even just a tactic, you know, in regards to seeing if we even are set up like this because we've been claiming we've been more united than ever as a membership, and uh, we're clearly proving that right now. Well, Ryan, definitely we'll, we'll keep an eye on this. Uh, I mean, obviously you, you guys are standing up for what you believe in. As a fan, I, I hope nothing is delayed and everything starts on time, but I do appreciate your honesty and I do appreciate your updates. So Monday you're meeting, and, and where are those going to be? 
Those are in Toronto. Okay. Um, so we'll be uh, yeah we'll be back at the bargaining table on uh, Monday. Um, CBA expires on the 18th and training camp opens on the 19th. So um, we're going to have full intentions to speed this process along, and uh, we definitely yeah we definitely plan to get a deal done, and we hope uh, we can uh, see everyone in training camp. All right. Ryan, appreciate it. All the best with the talks coming up. I really, I'm really thankful for the update. Yeah, no worries, Reed. That is Ryan King checking in tonight. CFL Players Association team rep for the Eskimos, long snapper for the team. So he laid it out pretty, pretty honestly. There, the players didn't appreciate the the hiatus that the league said we're just going to go a couple weeks without talking. And he uh, he said at the the poll, 96 percent the players ready to not report to training camp if there isn't a deal in place. The uh, good old CFL, our little old league, could have a labor stoppage. Let's let's hope it doesn't get to that. 7.46, Inside Sports on 6.30. Ched, Kellen? Yes? I, I goofed up. I missed an empty net goal by Patrice Bergeron with one second left in the third period. No, I didn't even see that. I, I didn't either. I totally looked away. So it's 5-1 Boston. Wow. Is the final five-one Boston in uh, in Game Seven? The Leafs are out. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Don't forget about their brunch that is Sundays from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. featuring biscuits and gravy with smashed potatoes. Check them out online, NorthChickenYEG.com. Great spot. Quick timeout. You'll hear a little bit more from Todd McClellan, and uh, we'll revisit something fun we did a few months ago. It's relevant tonight. Listening to 6:30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Out at center ice, Pasternak kicks it ahead for the second consecutive year, and for the third time in seven years, the Boston Bruins are going to eliminate the Toronto Maple Leafs in Game Seven behind a magnificent performance by Tuukka Rask. And the Boston Bruins will host a second-round series against the Columbus Blue Jackets. All right, so that's Judd Surratt, 98.5, the sports hub out of Boston as the Bruins clinch it tonight. 5-1 is the final over Toronto. All three Canadian teams who made the postseason eliminated in the first round. Calgary lost to Colorado. The Jets lost to St. Louis. I've had a uh, couple of people text. Well, here's here's one from Brian. He says, it's a great year. The Leafs and the Flames are out. And uh, I know there are a lot of you. I know not everybody, but a lot of you would be fine with a... Uh, the Canadian Stanley Cup drought continuing because you don't want the Leafs or the Flames to end it. Kellen, I don't know if you remember this. Back on Halloween, we had Russ Moore, our uh, star producer down in our production department. Okay, Remember our little Halloween horror movie? Yes. The hockey horror movie? Here's the little trailer we made for that back on Halloween. Coming soon to Oil Country. A tale of terror unlike anything you've ever experienced. Throw to Monahan. Monahan scores! The Calgary Flames. Toronto Maple Leafs in the Stanley Cup Final. No, it can't be true! Two 
rivals of the Oilers going head-to-head -head for hockey's greatest prize. I, I want to watch, but it's going to make me puke. Featuring Bob Layton as Mike Babcock. Hey, let me tell you something. We just have to work harder. That's what it comes down to. And Joe Pesci as Johnny Gaudreau. You calling me little? Like I'm smaller than you? It's the movie event that critics are calling a nightmare. And hockey fans are calling not plausible. With a special appearance by Christopher Walken as Commissioner Gary Bettman. I want to congratulate both teams on a great series. Leafs, Flames for the Stanley Cup. <laughs> a tale of hockey horror. <laughs> well, and for at least another year, that remains fiction. Rated H for hockey and horror. That was fun. We made that back on Halloween. Thought I would get that in there again tonight. By the way, the Oil Kings now into the second period. No score against Prince Albert. I mentioned the Raptors move on to the second round. 115-96 victory over Orlando in Game 5. And the Blue Jays in the bottom of the eighth trail. The Giants 7-2. And I believe, I just got to double check this here. I think we got a start date for the second round. So there's another uh, Game 7 coming up tonight. Another Game 7 tomorrow. And John Shannon from Sportsnet says that there will be two series starting on Thursday. Dallas will be in St. Louis on Thursday. Columbus will be in Boston on Thursday. So I'm glad they're getting right into it. I don't like when they have a day or two delay between rounds. Okay. Todd McClellan, former Oilers coach, now the coach of the Los Angeles Kings. He was on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer earlier today talking about getting the new job. Well, what's interesting about the uh, situation that I'm going into in L.A. is that Rob and I have had a relationship going back to uh, 2008 when he joined uh, the San Jose Sharks as a player. And at that time, I was uh, the head coach, and the roles were completely different. Uh, you know, I was directing the team and, and his ice time and his play, and he he was producing some good years for us now um, he's the boss uh, he's the general manager and, and I'm the coach but uh, what I what I've known and what we've worked on hard over the, the years is keeping the, the relationship that we had um, I've been able to watch him grow as a manager and he's been able to watch me grow as a coach um, and uh, now when we spent time together over the last three weeks uh, talking about the opportunity in LA I realized that um, I think I could have a, uh, a real good long lasting relationship with him as a manager we share a lot of the, the vision that's necessary I think for the rebuild in, in LA and I'm excited about the opportunity. Now, when the Los Angeles Kings won their two Stanley Cups, they were known for playing that heavy hockey. And, of course, the NHL now known for being a speed game, more emphasis on speed and skill than ever before. One has to take a look at what happened over the last decade. There were two teams that won a lot of Stanley Cups, and that being Chicago and that being L.A. I think they won five of, of seven. Um, you throw Pittsburgh in there with back-to-back -back ones, and each style was significantly different. Uh, Chicago had some pace, some offensive skill, uh, where L.A. wore teams down. They just wore on them and wore on them, used their size and their strength. Um, so teams that were emulating what um, the successful teams 
teams are doing have to pick between one or the other. And, um, you know, I'll talk about L.A.'s situation. They, they won. They believed in what they were doing. But now it's it's time to adjust a little bit, uh, move forward, and they, they recognize that. Um, most of the skill, most of the talent, the speed, the pace is coming through the draft now. Hmm. And uh, as I've said earlier, they didn't have all their picks because of their, their championship runs. But now they're stockpiling again, and I'm sure there will be a focus on, on that attribute when it comes to uh, acquiring talent. Good to hear Todd's voice. That was earlier today on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Full interview on that show page on 630Ched.com. Text to 630-630. This person says, Reed, you put a curse on the Leafs. At least they won three games, but I will still listen to your show. I didn't put a curse on the Leafs. All I did was sacrifice a few trees to the hockey gods. That's all. You know, I put, I put on my robe and my, my goat's head mask danced around a little bit and, and sacrificed a few trees. If you think that's putting a curse on the Leafs, then okay. <laughs> ah, all right. Well, Kellen, we uh, covered a lot of ground tonight. Yeah, we it's debated been a busy night. chancellors and commissioners. I've shared my opinions that I think Top Gun is a terrible movie. Which I didn't know. And we talked about making tree sacrifices to the hockey gods so the Leafs lose. You also heard from Ryan King on the CFL-CBA negotiations. Pat Steinberg broke down the Flames loss. He's from Sportsnet 960. And we had Rob Brown touch on a variety of topics. Great to have Rob on the show. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Don't forget, tomorrow we'll give away another pair of golf passes to the Ranch Golf and Country Club. The studio producer this evening, Kellen Kennedy. Colton Pareko scheduled to join us, by the way, from the St. Louis Blues. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great evening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.